So if you would remain standing for just a moment, I want to read some scripture to you. Uh, you're looking for Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I'd encourage you to download version and look for the New Living Translation. It's a great app. It'd be real helpful um, to you. By the way, if you're new and I didn't meet you before service, after service, I'll be back by the front doors. My wife, Lauren, will be there. If you brought somebody with you, bring them. Let me meet you. I'd love to just say hi uh, for just a few minutes this morning. We are finishing a series called Built to Last. Has this helped anybody? Has this series been good? Help? Five people. Awesome. That's good. Glad I worked so hard on it. Um, We've been talking about this idea, and it comes out of the story Jesus tells, that there's this uh, wise person and a foolish person. They both built a house. One built it on the sand. The other built it on the rock. You can figure out who the idiot is in the story, um, you know, who is stupid. Uh, although in Scripture it says foolish, you know, because we don't use words like idiot. Um, but the guy was an idiot. <laughs> he built it on sand, and the storm came, knocked his house out. But the one that was built on the rock stood the test of time. And this idea for this series is that to build a life that lasts, you got to build it on the rock. Yeah? you got to build it on the rock. Jesus said he was the rock. If you will build your life on Jesus, you won't just have an okay 2018. You will have a life that is built to last. So we talked about uh, building an ark. And we talked about last week building an army. It's a, it's a life of sacrifice. And today I want to talk to you about um, and last week we talked about building an altar. This week I want to talk to you about building an army. Building an army. So Gideon in uh, Judges chapter 7. Let me give you some background here real quick, what's happening here. This is way before Jesus. And the Israelites are just being pummeled and annihilated once again by an invading army. They're hiding out in caves. They're starving. And God raises up this guy named Gideon and says, you're going to be the one that defeats this group of people. And he reluctantly agrees. And then we see in chapter 7 the army that he is building and says uh, Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them, that's the enemy, in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said this to Gideon, you you have too many warriors with you. Okay, now let me let me this was like God's it's like God saying, you have too much money in the bank right now. Okay? You know what? You're way too successful right now. I, I'm, I need to bring it down a little bit. That's, that's what this must have felt like for him. He said, you have too many warriors. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 that were willing to fight. 10,000 going up against this massive army. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many. You still have too much money, all right? You're still too successful. And so God tells him there's still too many. Bring them down to the spring. I'm gonna test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. Testing is not a bad thing. Tell somebody testing is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Everything that gets tested comes out good. And when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord said, this is what he told him, divide the men into two groups, in one group, all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. And only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord said this to Gideon, with these 300, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. 
So what, one thing God wants to get said in this place today is you have little, but God can bring a lot out of a little. You are in position. If you say, I have nothing right now, God, where are you? Why do you keep stripping me away? Why am I in this place of barrenness? You are being set up for a miracle. Miracles happen in the little, not in times of plenty, but in times of want and need. That's when the miracle comes. So you are set up for your miracle. Come on, tell somebody you're set up for your miracle. That's good news. I ain't even preaching that today, but that's good news today for you that you are set up for your miracle. God, today we ask that you bring miracles in this place. God, would you do miracles? Men and women gathered here today one more time, crying out to you for a miracle. Would you bring them the miracles they seek? Let them know, God, like you were with Gideon, you were with them. And now speak to us. Help us to understand your word. Help us to understand that you are for us and you are not against us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray. Do you know that? You can pray. You just say, all right, God, what do you want to say to me? Because I know God wants to speak. He wants to heal your soul. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, we want you to know it's okay. It's okay that you're here, and, but we are not okay with you staying that way because we believe God wants to heal your soul. God wants to heal your soul today. So let's just all open ourselves to him. He can speak in Jesus' name and give me a good old proud Oklahoma. Amen. Amen. All right, you can sit down. Well, I, I think it's, it's no secret that um, I'm not a, um, you know, huge fan of uh, social media. I, I kind of have this, you know, love-hate relationship with, with, with social media because, um, I mean, it's great because you can, you can post stuff and, and people can post stuff and you kind of see what's going on in their life and it's, it is fun and I, I utilize it. But the one thing I, I have noticed, and I think we all kind of feel this, this um, vibe with social media is that we've never been more connected in human history, right? Never have we been more connected, but, but never have we been more disconnected. Do you feel that? I, I feel that, that we've never been more disconnected. In fact, they even say that loneliness is on the rise. With the rise of social media, loneliness has also risen. Like right now, they say 40% of people say that they feel lonely. Four out of 10 people, like in this room, four out of 10 people, 40% of people in this room right now feel like you're alone. And, and, and this is not just a United States problem. I just saw an article the other day that the United Kingdom just appointed a minister of loneliness. Is that not weird? That's just weird. Like, and it's, I didn't think it was, I thought it was fake news. I, I looked it up. It was in the New York Times, a minister of loneliness. You know, that, that, that's, uh, you know that, that was my favorite wrestler in the 90s. The minister of loneliness, you know? <laughs> I am the minister of loneliness. I will break you. Love that guy. He was awesome. But I wondered, like, what are the qualifications? What are the qualifications for being the minister of loneliness? Like, how does that work? Like, um, I didn't have any friends in high school. Um, nobody swipes right on my social platform. 
<laughs> My dog ran away. Um, I mean, just, if that's the qualifications, then I'm in because those were all my junior high years. I mean, that is me searching out. Anybody that way? You walk in with your little tray? Any, anybody? You're like, oh, I'll sit over here by myself. Yeah, okay. I, I, but I just think that's just how crazy because we're all, not all of us, but, but loneliness is, is this epidemic thing that is taking place in our society. And not only that, but it is also challenging um, health-wise. It's, it's wrecking people's health. They say that loneliness is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Let that sink in for a minute. 15 cigarettes a day. They, they associate it with heart disease, with early onset of dementia, with depression, uh, with even, even suicide. And, and, and here's the thing. The devil loves isolation. He thrives in isolation. In fact, I think it's the number one tool he uses to take people out. He wants you to feel lonely. And nobody cares about you. Nobody likes you. You are alone, even in a room like this. In, in week one, we, we talked about building an ark and how storms, none of us are going to be able to avoid storms. Storms are coming in, in 2018. But this is what I believe. I, I don't believe it's the storm necessarily that takes people out. I think it's being alone in the storm that takes people out. It's being isolated. And so not only do we need to build an ark, but we need to build an army. And so here we have this story of Gideon, and, and Gideon has got like uh, 30,000 men, and God takes it down to 300 like, takes it down to 1%, and with the 1%, he goes out and fights, and he wins a victory, okay? He won with one. And here's the thing I know. Listen, you don't need everybody to fight your battle with you, but you do need somebody. You need somebody, and somebody needs you. So I'd like for you to write this question down. And I want us to wrestle with this question for a few minutes. And you may need to take this question and wrestle with it all week. You might need to wrestle with this question for all of 2018. It's a big question. Who's my 1%? Who's my 1%? Who's there for me? And who am I there for? Who's got my back? Whose back do do I have? When, when I'm in the middle of the battle, who is it I can count on and who is it that can, that can count on me? Do you, do you have your 1%? The question is not only who's my 1%, but man, how, do I, how do I find my 1%? Like, how do I do that? I think that is a question all of us are afraid to ask, but we wonder, how do you, how do you find your 1%? And if you find your 1%, how do you know you have the right 1%? Because you can have a 1% and it be the wrong 1% and you will go down in defeat. I think Gideon helps us a little bit with this and he provides some answers. So let's go back to his story, Judges chapter 7 and verse 3. And it says this, therefore tell the people, this is God speaking to Gideon, therefore tell the people, whoever is what, say this with me, what? Timid or afraid. So whoever is timid or afraid may leave and go home. So 22,000 of them go home, leaving only 10,000 who were what? Willing to fight. So get the picture here. Gideon 
he amasses this army of 32,000 soldiers. 22,000, though, went home. They, they weren't equipped for the battle because they were timid and they were afraid. I'd like for you to write this down. This is, this is important to remember. Not everyone is equipped to go into battle with me. Not everyone is equipped to go into battle with me. One of the things I hated in college were group projects. Oh, I hate it. Anybody hate those things in college? Because you you look around the room and you realize there's a bunch of slackers in there. Like you're looking around and you always get stuck with that one guy or that one girl in your group that, you know, I mean, they were lucky they showed up in class and they had their pants on. I mean, they were just like... How did they get in my group? And so when they are in your group, I don't know how you operated with that, but I was like, dude, I got it. No, you just eat your Cheetos, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the paper. I'll put your name on it. I know it's not right, but I did it anyway. Because there's these people, they will bring you down. And, and when you think about the people that are going to go into battle with you, you need people that will lift you up, not drag you down. You need people of faith. You need people like the men for Gideon who who were willing to fight. You need fighters, people of faith. You you know, the thing is, a lot of people live in defeat. They're they're, they're timid. They're they're afraid like these men who deserted Gideon and and went home. And they don't don't see hope. Like, they don't help you win the battle, but they will help you wallow in it. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Oh, that's just, that's terrible. Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. So what are you going to do? Wow. Oh, girl, I'd be angry too. Mm-mm-mm. You don't deserve that. No, sorry. No, mm-mm. you don't have to put up with that. And they, there's no help to you in your battle. And when you're in your battle, you need people of faith and you need people of confidence. You need men like Gideon had. You need an army of one percent. And let me say this, you've come to the right place. This place is full of one percent. This faith, this place is full of people of faith. This place is full of people of hope. This is a place where people who are zeroed in on who our hope is. Three people understood that. Three people got that. This is a place of hope. Like that's who we are. That's good news. Is it not? Get turned to three people and tell them that's some good news. That's some good news. That's some good news. People of faith are in this place. There's a lot of power in this room. But again, remember, not everyone, not everyone is equipped to go into battle with me. Not only that, but I'd like for you to write this down too. Not everyone is called to go into battle with me. Not everybody is called to go into battle with me. Now, hang on. Right now when I say that, some of you are like, time out. Time out. That doesn't make sense because we're here. We're the body of Christ. I thought we were all supposed to go into battle with one another and we're like this massive army and we're supposed to be there for one another. And Paul talks about that. And that's where you may be getting that idea and you're thinking, yeah, I've heard that somewhere. Well, Paul wrote a letter to the church in, in um, the Galatian church in chapter 6 and verse 2 and he said, he said it this way. He said, share. Somebody say, Share. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey 
the law of Christ. So there it is right there. As the body of Christ, we are all called to love and support one another. Amen? Amen. Like, like that's what I love about this church. That's what I love about you people is we'll pray for one another. We'll encourage one another. We will help one another. But, but when you look at this, what we have to understand is it's physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually impossible to carry 100% of the burdens in this room. And that's the tension we live in as a church. It's a tension because all of us who are followers of Jesus, we want to reach our friends and our classmates and our coworkers and our neighbors, and we want to see them come to Jesus. We want to see these seats full. We don't want an empty seat in this place, amen? Like, we don't want an empty seat. We want to put out every chair. We want God's house to be full because we know right now there are people that have not experienced the healing for their soul like we have, and we desperately want them to have that. But it's a tension, because the tension is that when more people come, the body grows, and then what happens is we find ourselves saying this, man, I don't know everybody. I just don't know everybody, and it can be frustrating to not know everybody, but guess what? God never intended for you to know everybody. He just intended for you to know somebody. See, Gideon, he's got this army of 1%, and God never intended for you to carry 100% of the burdens of core church. There's a, there's a story in the, in the Old Testament, the same as in where Gideon's story is, and, that, and it's about Moses, and Moses was the leader of Israel, and, and he uh, was, had you know, millions of people that were following him, and the scripture says that he would sit on a rock from sunup till sundown, and he would listen to the burdens of the people. Millions of people coming to him. It was wearing him out. And then, so his, his father-in-law, Jethro, shows up, and he's watching Moses sitting in this, on this rock, and he's like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And he's like, no, <laughs> this is going to kill you, and it's going to kill the people. You, you can't carry everybody's burdens. And so he, he began to talk to me. He said, what you need to do is you need to get other people to carry their percent. Everybody needs to find their 1%. And he said, once everybody finds their 1%, all of the burdens will be carried. And Moses, you need to do this. He said, you need to carry burdens, but you need to carry the most pressing burdens. Can, can I be transparent and just tell you as, as a pastor, that is so hard for me. Laura and I were talking about, we've been talking about this all week long. This, just this very scripture and this very message. Because as our, our church grows, we, we, we love everybody. We support, you have our support, you have our prayers, you have our encouragement, but, but what we've learned is, is that we can't physically be everywhere. We've had so many people in the hospital recently. We've had people that have experienced death in their families. We have had marriages that are upside down and a wreck. We have children that have gone south and gone, gone away. We have people that are struggling with depression and anxiety. We have other issues and struggles. And, and, and I feel the tension of that, of being pulled, and I want to be everywhere. I want to be everywhere. I want to help everyone. But I can't. And that's the same tension you live in. You want to help everybody, but you can't, and God never intended for you to carry 100% of the burdens. 
See, we can't carry 100% of the burdens, but we can each carry our 1%. And if we will each carry our 1%, together we will carry 100% of the burdens. That's pretty good news, is it not? That's good news. We can carry each other's burdens together. So who's your 1%? Who's there for you? Who are you there for? So Gideon, he's down to 10,000. And God's like, you still got too many. Are you kidding me, God? <laughs> you see this vast army that's coming against me? You still got too many. So he says, take him down, take him down to the stream. And so they go down to the, to the stream. And it says in verse 6 and 7, it says, only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and they drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So get, get the picture here. There's 300 men, and they get down on a knee. They got their sword in one hand, and they take their other hand, and they pick up the water, and they begin to lap it out of their hands while they're looking out over the enemy. They're looking out over the battle to see where it's coming from, and they never take their eyes off the battle, and they lift up the water, and they drink from it, and they're looking, a sword in one hand and water cup in the other. This was Gideon's 1%. This is a picture of your 1%. This is a picture of the 1% we are called to be. You are looking for men and women who will get on their knees for you and go to God for you, people of faith, people who have a confidence in Christ, but also have their eyes fixed on Jesus, have their eyes fixed on Jesus and will be in the battle with you. Do you have your 1%? Because here's the thing, in a room like this, we are all qualified. We're all qualified to go into battle with one another. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are qualified to go into battle. But not all of us are called to go into battle with each other. We each have that 1%. I want to introduce you to an army of 1%. Uh, I want to invite Sean and Craig and Stan and Tim, if you guys would, would come up here to the front. Uh, many of you know, you can give them a hand as they come. Give them a hand. Um, many of you know uh, Sean's story. Um, how many of you were here for our our core team gong show night, anybody? Okay, a few, most of you were not here that night. Our, our core team volunteers, uh, we have an event every year. We just get together, we have a party, and we have a great time together. And so we did a gong show this year, and uh, Sean's, uh, he, he was one of the acts. He was the very first act, and he came out um, in a tutu. Yeah, he had a tutu on uh, with uh, Curtis. You both came out in tutus. And they danced to uh, the theme from Dirty Dancing. Yeah, uh, that should have been our first cue that maybe this was not going to go well. But Sean uh, suffered a very, uh, I'm, I'm going to understate it, I'm really going to understate it, but a, an incredibly traumatic injury. Those that were here, you, you know how traumatic that was on Sean, how traumatic it was on his wife and uh, even his children and, and just us. To collectively, he, he was running across the stage, leaped, 
didn't catch a lot of air, but you did catch some air. You caught a little bit. <laughs> he leaped, and when he but when he landed, uh, he just landed in just a fluke way, and his leg just shattered, shattered. Uh, he's had to undergo extensive surgery. What? Uh, when was your surgery? That you? Uh, my f- first surgery was the 18th of December. They put a an asphyxiator in that went from the top of my thigh all the way down to the bottom of my leg to where it kept it straight. And then my next surgery to actually put in the two plates and 20 pins that I got in my leg was January 2nd. So I'm out, can't put any weight on it for about four months. Um, May have to go for another surgery because my um, tendon isn't healing right. Or my whatever, I don't know what it is. I can't pull my toes backwards, and I can't hold my foot up. So I just pray that we don't have to have that again. So That's a lot to do to win the gong show, man. <laughs> <laughs> you hey, did win. First day and win. last. Um, what, 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 it's been amazing, though. I, I know you would, um, I'll let you speak to this, but just speak to the, the outpouring of love and support that you got from the church family. Just the, you know, I've never have experienced anything like this and just the overwhelming of all the prayers, the people that have came to the hospital, the people that have brought me food, the people that have sent me text messages, Facebook, whatever. Thank you all. Um, otherwise, I'd probably be in a pretty dark place right now. It's so, it's so it, it was a beautiful picture. I tell you, it, is, it was like beauty from ashes is the only way I know how to describe it. Isaiah calls it beauty from ashes. And it was this moment of ashes and utter defeat. But to watch the body of Christ just do what we do best, to support, to pray. You guys have been there to encourage. Uh, Sean encourages daughters to encourage uh, Megan. But, so we're all qualified to go into battle with one another, but we're not all called to go to battle for one another. And these three guys, though, God, God called you guys to join Sean in, the, in, the, in this battle. Let's talk first, though, about how did you guys end up getting into this, this 1% group kind of thing? How did you, how did you create your, this relationship? Go ahead, Craig. Take this one. <laughs> Craig, was, Craig was last last time, so let him do it first. And he's nervous. So did you, did you turn it on? <laughs> he's the drummer, so he's, he never has a microphone. Yeah, I hit so. things, you know, I mean. <laughs> so I'm a little out of my element here um where were we going <laughs> how do we get, how do we get so together we get so i came here about to this church about five years ago and uh met sean and stan at that time i've known tim quite a bit longer than that but uh we just kind of gelled and you know it, it just it just kind of grew into you know a, a bigger thing uh we now have our uh Walking Dead core group, where we get together on Sunday nights, and we have some awesome core groups, right? <laughs> we roast each other for about five, ten, twenty, thirty minutes, you know, and 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 leverage whatever is, you know, there at the time, and then we eat and pray and watch The Walking Dead. It's <laughs> <laughs> your basic it. your basic core group. I mean, we do it is. Pray, it's you know, it's talk. a little different. We like to do things different, but you know, right. it, it works out. I, I, what I love about how you guys came together, it's not like you have a, there's a sign-up booth in the, in the lobby. You need to go sign up for your 1%. It doesn't work that way, and all of us understand that. It doesn't work that way. But 
But what you do is what I, in the story of Gideon, Gideon, he sought out these 30,000 men and then God sifted out the 300. So you got, you've got to seek out the men and women that God wants to be your 1%, and then you've got to trust God to sift them out down to those people that he has called to be in battle with you. So t- what has this been like as you guys have walked through this with Sean? Uh, he's had prayers and support, but how have you guys jumped in? What does that look like for you? Well, um, since, since I have a problem walking because I have a sciatic nerve issue, uh, he keeps making fun of me. <laughs> Legend. I don't know what... I don't know what he said, but um, I had trouble going to see him um, in the hospital because I knew I was like, if I walk more than 50 feet, I'm going to have to sit down. But he, he had to walk the whole fifth floor because he couldn't find my room, and he was too stubborn to yeah, ask. Yeah, I was about passed out when I got there, but, um, but he made it. What I, I, I just thought the best thing I could do is do a GoFundMe, so we did that, which is still going, by the way. If anybody has extra money, it's on Facebook. But um, I knew his family, you know, financially would be in a difficult position. Um, so we did that. And, and then you built um, a ramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did a ramp because obviously it's not wheelchair. So here, here's what accessible. I love as, I, and as I've asked these guys to so tell me what it's been like. They've had a really difficult time because what they're doing is just natural and intuitive. Like they're like, well, why, why is that a big deal? Like uh, doesn't everybody build a ramp and start a fund me and go up to the hospital every single day? No. No, they don't. In fact, like right now, some of us are like, oh, man, I probably should have built a ramp. I probably should have donated. Maybe, but maybe not. Because this is one thing, like you guys have, they even came up to the hospital like almost every day. Yeah, Craig and and Tim um, have came every day. (laughs) The other gimp over there, he only has sciatic nerve issues. issues. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Craig and and Tim, they, they came dang near every day just because Craig worked there. I mean. <laughs> kind of easy access. I had no excuse, really. But uh, seriously, though, um, but this is the thing. Sometimes you're in your own battle, and you have to go to battle and help somebody in their battle while you're in your battle, which is what Tim, you've had to do. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my, I lost my son in September. Is this working? Yeah. This one's cooler. Uh, I lost my son in September, um, in. Uh, in that hospital where, where Sean was, and it was rough to go up there, man, it, it, to, to walk in those doors, you know, and, uh, it, but we did it. There was a little time at the end where I said, I don't think I can do it anymore, yeah. and Sean was like, no, you're cool, man. But and I mean, it's, it's just what, I mean, I couldn't imagine how hard it is to, yeah. to go in after your son had just passed away and then, you know, be in the same place, yeah. and he was there almost every day, and finally, I just kind of like, you know, hey, you're good, man. You're good. So I appreciate that. Um, if it, you know, if it wasn't for all three of them getting together and praying, I, I'd be just in a dark area. Well, that that's the thing, though. We we I remember going to Stan's house. Okay. <laughs> Can you hear me? Uh, I remember going to Stan's house, and 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 we were standing around his island, you know, about to really do something godly, you know, and stuff, and. Uh, the walking day was and, over. And, it's all right. Yeah. And we was like, and I remember telling, you know, we're, you know, a lot of people are under the impression that we're in a band, that you see us on stage, but we're not, we're on a team. It's a team, man. It's yeah. a, it's a family. It's yeah. a, it, from back there up here, it's a, it's a, and I remember saying, you know, when one of us is struggling, man, we're family. We got to pull yeah. together and, and we started talking about Sean's 
deal, and, and, you know, that's a bad injury. People get in a dark place. I, mean, I don't really want to talk too much, but uh, a dark place. And we, yeah. and I remember standing over at stands and saying, we're, that, that happens, and we, we're not going to allow that to happen, man. We're, right. we're going to try, we're going to be there for him, try to help him through yeah. this, so. Yeah, we're constantly in a group text um, communication. Yeah. Um, you know, when Sean's going to go to the doctor, he's going to get into, you know, some kind of test results. He said, hey, pray for me. I'm going to 11 o'clock. And it's funny because Craig will always, I don't know if he, he must be speaking his text or he's a really good typer because he will, Lord and Jesus, he'll type this out. Lord in Jesus' name, we just pray for Sean's healing. It's like it goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, okay, amen. Yep. I mean, we disagree. Ditto. Ditto. But we do that. I mean, we do spiritual stuff, but the truth is half the time, I mean, I, I, I sent him a gif of a guy in a wheelchair falling over, and it just repeated over and over. He's, we he, try to make he, each other laugh. We do that. Tim over here, the first word out of his mouth was Tonya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Yes. <laughs> Curtis, uh, we saw in the video, he tripped him. Uh, yeah, there is video. Of, you guys missed it. It's great. Uh, <laughs> No, it looks like, a, it looks like a, a pool noodle from yeah. what I was told. <laughs> see, Sean is a really, people don't know what he does. I think, I think people do now because all the stuff that he would do Saturday night, I mean, even help out with CR. That's how we really became friends because he, he came to CR just to help out whenever. We would go into prisons or go to Tulsa Run, we would play there. And Sean was helping. Then I found out he played guitar, so he was playing. He just put his foot up on the monitor. He's okay. People called him Anthrax. Yeah. He looked like a guy from Anthrax, but... We just all became friends. We started going to movies, um, just hanging out. I mean, and really, most of our communication is just doing dogging that. each other. The chicken walk, remember all that? So what I lo- <laughs> chicken. What walk. I love about that you're seeing here is—is uh, is this helping anybody? Like seeing what a one percent, oh, what it, what it looks like. Who doesn't? <laughs> they have derailed. I don't know. You know, minus the Walking Dead staff. Who? who I mean, who doesn't want? Um, who doesn't want want a one percent like this? How, how blessed, not just is Sean, but th- they, didn't, they didn't rush to Sean's side and become his friends after he went into battle. They were there before the battle. And I, I just love this testimony of who you guys are. Will you give these guys a hand, support, and just thank you for what you're doing. It's awesome. So I, I would just encourage you with this. If you're saying, man, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I find that? How do I make that happen? You got to do it just the same way these guys did. They, they didn't just go searching necessarily to try to find that person. They just got involved. They got involved in the body of Christ. Started serving. Next thing you know, they, they found that they had things in common. And they started doing life together. And it's not just been a, a two-week process. It's been, a, it's been years of them being together. That's why I love that right now we're doing Discover in, uh, out there in the front room, they're having discovery. People right now are discovering their gifts and learning how to get plugged into the body of Christ. I would encourage you, if you're not on core team, that's your next step. Get on a team. Maybe come to core community. That's coming up here uh, on the first Wednesday of, of February, two, two weeks away. Come to that. It's another great opportunity. Or get in a group. Maybe some of you, maybe you've come in a long time. And you're like, man, I need to get in a group. Maybe you've tried groups before, and, and, and you got in a group, and it just wasn't your thing. It just didn't connect with them. That's okay. It's okay. Keep, keep swinging. Keep getting up to, to bat. Keep, keep swinging that bat. You're going to make contact. You're going you're gonna to find your 